Hi, and welcome to the Telltale Podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Goldsmith, and today's episode is called Journalism and Justice. My guest this episode is Michele Siren, a young female journalist with Indigenous heritage who reports for the likes of Nine Honey, SBS, Mamma Mia, etc. A key focus of much of her work revolves around issues affecting her community, but she also has an interest in writing about issues that she faces as a young woman. This episode, Michele and I will be talking all about journalism, social justice, and finding your voice. So with that, let's get right into it. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry, how are you? Good, how are you? Thank you so much for being so patient. I'm so sorry it hasn't worked out our other bookings. No, all good. You're very, very busy, um, oh. I can tell. But it's awesome to finally have you on because, you know, I've been eager to chat with you ever since I read some of your work. Oh, thank you. And I think <laughs> you too. Sounds like such a cool little podcast you've got going on here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, welcome to the Telltale Podcast. Um, Basically, you know, as I've told you a little bit about, it's kind of youth-centric, very much youth-focused, and we kind of talk about um, ideas and issues that are kind of pressing or important for young people, um, but also share inspiring stories. And, you know, you yourself are a young journalist, so I thought you'd be an excellent guest to have on. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Michele Siren. I am a 23-year-old journalist. I work for the SBS and I also write a column for Channel 9's lifestyle platform, Nine Honey, which is really exciting because I get to write about youth-centric issues um, that, you know, touch on some of the things I've been through in my trajectory and some of the things that my friends have been through. Um, that really covers everything from dating, work, career, friendship, um, family relationships. So it's really nice to have that sort of outlet. And at the SBS, I work on news. So I'm a multi-platform journalist there. I do some TV reporting, some digital work. Um, and of course, you know, just all the sort of news gathering that is required of, of a journalist. Yeah, awesome. Um, so kind of how did you get into the journalism route? Like how did you decide that you wanted to kind of um, become a journalist after or during high school? What was the thought process behind that? So during high school, I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do when I got out of high school. Um, yeah. I was really committed to getting a great mark in my HSC because it was sort of a few years ago before we realised that as long as you do your best, that's all that matters. There are mm. so many other avenues into university and other ways to sort of achieve your dreams. But back then it was sort of just do your best in the HSC and apply for uni. So yeah. I got to the end of my HSC and I got a good mark and I applied for uni and I still didn't know what I wanted to do and I actually put down a business degree. Mm. So I left school, I got a job And I ended up working in an accounting firm where I stayed for many, many years, five or six years, which when you're young is a really long time. Yeah. Um, Left for a few months and went back for another year. So I think it was like seven years in total that I was there. And during that time, I also took up a degree at UTS in journalism. And the whole way through my degree, I was never really sure 
what I was going to end up doing. I was never sure if journalism was for me. It's a very cutthroat competitive industry. There's not a lot of jobs. Um, I struggled to sort of get through my degree because I was working and I had this busy lifestyle and, you know, um, I, I never really took it very seriously, which put me a few steps behind in my head because there were people out there interning and really giving themselves the best opportunities. Hmm. And then in my last year of uni, I started interning at Channel 9 on their Today Show program, which really opened my eyes to the industry. Super fast-paced, super busy, super manic. Um, Sometimes I really struggled with that. The hours are crazy. It's not like a conventional nine-to-five job. And having had that experience working in a really conventional corporate position, I wasn't sure how I would adjust. So. I never really went out there pursuing many opportunities. If really cool jobs would come up, I would apply. Sometimes I'd go for interviews. I wouldn't really make it through, um, you know, much further than the first interview or second interview before I would be cut. So I I really just wasn't sure right through high school and uni whether journalism was what I wanted to do and I wasn't sure whether I would actually get into it. And then last year during COVID, an opportunity came up to start working as a digital journalist at SBS. And it was a really hard decision to make because at that point, we were in a global pandemic. I was sort of resigned to the fact that I was working in this job that I'd been at for a really long time and I was interested in it and I liked the people, which I think is something that a lot of young people will go through after school. It's it's a very common experience mm-hmm. where you sort of get a little bit stuck. And Definitely. Yeah, you think I'm sort of here now and I'm content and if an opportunity comes up, it it might be meant to be. So something came up and it just felt right to take it and ever since then my whole life has really changed and my career has really taken a whole new path. That's awesome. Um, it really seems like the universe just kind of aligned for you in that situation. Um, as well, you know how you said that um, you initially studied a business degree. Do you think that um, kind of anything that you learned from business or even working in an accounting firm um, kind of helped you um, in, journal- in journalism? Well, I wouldn't really say I ever got around to studying business. It was always something okay. that I thought about doing down the track. But okay. certainly any studies you do, Um, and any, definitely any workplace experience you get, it does not matter what kind of experience it is, I would encourage everyone to work, um, you know, at least for a couple of months outside of school and, you know, try and do some work through uni. The discipline it teaches you, the skills it gives you, they're priceless. Something that you learn when you come out of school is in high school you're young, you're you're such a baby and you just don't even realise it. And you're really, really spoon-fed with all this information that doesn't require that much initiative and that much life skill. And it's all about sort of educating your brain. And that's so important. And you're at a stage in your life when you're in high school where that is what you need. However, in the real world, um, lived experience, being around people, being in environments that are a bit challenging because all workplaces will have their challenges, it is super insightful and super important. There are skills that I learned as a receptionist that I mm-hmm. use as a journalist. And there are, you know, experiences I had as a nanny and a housekeeper when I was 18 that I still to this day use a lot in my writing and things like that. So, you know, it might not necessarily be an educational skill. I might never have written anything when I was working as a nanny or a housekeeper, but 
it's the life experience, the maturity, the insight that it gives you that will really put you above people out there that don't have that life experience. And same thing goes with uni. There were so many times when I thought, you know what, I've got a job, I hate studying, I work all week and then I spend all weekend trying to study for my exams and do my assignments. Maybe I should drop out. Is this a waste of time? Obviously, I've ended up with a job in um, journalism, so it wasn't a waste of time for me. But regardless, I think I look back and I think to myself, just if not the information that I took out of my degree, because information is always valuable, whether it's something you apply day to day or not, just the the skills, the time management, the discipline that I learnt, the experience of studying at uni and you know, it really does take a lot of mental stamina to get through three or four or five years of a degree successfully and, you know, to navigate assessments and to work things out when your real life might be, you know, having some of its own hurdles. You've also got this whole other big beast to to manage in your degree and sometimes you'll stumble and you might, you know, be late on an assignment or fail something and, and what you get out of that is so important. So I definitely don't think anyone should ever look at educational workplace experience as a waste of time. It might not be exactly where you want to be or you might start a degree and think, hmm, I might have made a decision decision too quickly and this might not be where I want to end up. But you have so much time. Your career will literally go on forever. You'll start it and you'll be like, oh, my gosh, what was the mad rush? This is <laughs> The rest of my life so I really encourage people to just embrace what you're learning and and take in what you can soak up everything that that you know that experience is there to give you because it's not just information it's life skills as well which are really important 100% and I think it's kind of a common misconception that you know like just getting a straight degree is gonna like 100% um, help you get into a dream job or whatnot I think definitely having that work experience and those kind of real life experiences to back up that degree is way more important to have absolutely and I think that you can go into a job interview with a degree from the best university in the country and a really great transcript but they also look at how you compose yourself definitely. they observe you know Um, whether or not you're going to fit in with the culture, whether or not you're going to be an easy person to work with, whether or not you have the maturity to show professionalism and to be trusted and to take initiative. And, you know, that stuff, it doesn't come naturally. You have to learn it. And, you know, you have to stumble a few times to pick it up. And that's okay. It's all part of growing up. I think we put so much pressure on young people to have it all right so quickly. But you have to learn. You have to take time to learn. And, I think that the most important thing is to just embrace every single opportunity. You know, someone might offer you a job that you think, hmm, maybe I could be doing something better than that. But if it's the opportunity that's in front of you and that's presented itself, don't turn your nose up to it. Just take it. You never know where that door may lead you. 100%. Um, thank you for that. That was really insightful. Um, and, you know, as a young journalist yourself, um, I believe you uh, have Indigenous heritage. Is that correct? I do. Yes. So I actually started my career with SBS as one of MITV News's digital journalists. So I've gotten to tell stories from Indigenous Australia quite comprehensively. And that has been such a huge honour um, in so many ways. Yeah, um, I've read some of your pieces um, on NITV as well and you kind of craft some really um, powerful um, 
pieces on, you know, the issues of social justice, human rights, and you're also particularly focused on amplifying the stories of those from your community. Um, what are the types of reactions or actions that you aim to kind of generate from your readers um, of your articles? So um, when I started my job at, at, as a digital journalist, I had grown up quite sheltered to the issues that were being faced by the Indigenous community. Yeah. And that's not to say I wasn't, I was oblivious to them because I wasn't. In 2019, I went on a trip around Western Australia to do a documentary as I, I worked as the journalist on a documentary about the Indigenous youth suicide crisis, which was really, really at its peak. Um, at that stage. And unfortunately, the documentary still isn't complete due to COVID. We still had a few more things to go back to WA and do and we haven't had the opportunity and our work commitments and stuff have made scheduling a bit tricky. But um, I saw firsthand some of the deplorable conditions that Indigenous people were exposed to in our own country. And growing up in, you know, I, I grew up in the inner west, so very, very urban Sydney inner city lifestyle you don't understand quite the extent of the tragedy and the intergenerational trauma and the disadvantage and then the way this plays out but seeing it in a more remote setting really opened my eyes and then again getting a job as a digital journalist and getting to connect with people that are living this disadvantage every day and that have lived it for generations and then have watched it seep through their families and their social groups and their communities and also seeing how that has then played out in how their outcomes end up has been really, really difficult. Sometimes it takes a massive emotional toll, like any human rights sort of reporting. You're talking about issues that are heartbreaking and, you know, as an empathetic person, it's a real struggle to get your head around how these, you know, abhorrent things are happening right beneath our nose. And you do feel a lot of guilt because, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up like that. I didn't ever have that exposure and, you know, I'm so privileged and so blessed to have had the upbringing and the life I've had. And yet right around me and in my own community, there's this level of disadvantage. So I guess, um, you know, it's really, really important to me to get these stories out there. The reaction I get is mixed. Unfortunately, white Australia does not see Indigenous Australia as a part of, of this society in the way that we need to. We see it as a separate matter. It's very complicated and obviously, um, you know, it's a complicated issue and I understand people's reluctancy to sort of get involved and back it because it is hard to um, understand something that you've never been exposed to. And, and I think a lot of times we forget as Indigenous people that, we grew up hearing these stories, but many people didn't know anything about Indigenous Australia. They didn't hear about it in school. It was completely erased from our nation's history. Yeah. And so it now requires a lot of accountability. It requires a willingness and a need and a desire to educate yourself. Mm. And it's really heartening when I see people um, access my my work, you know, from, from the broader community especially. Um, it's really heartening to see them want to find reputable um, 
information about Indigenous Australia and to use my work as a platform to do that because obviously NITV, the whole team, the whole news team are reputable sources of information. We really make sure we connect with the community with everything, that all the content we put out there, be it on television or on the digital space. And um, it's a real honour to see the the broader community engaging with it in that positive light. Of course, we do get the negative ones too, and we just ignore them because really it's not for them. I think that if they are looking, if they're approaching the issue with that mindset, no quality of work can change their mind. So I just accept that that's their viewpoint. But I think that more than how wonderfully heartening it is to see the broader community engage with my work in a positive way it is sorry it is absolutely amazing for me and I know for all the other journos to see the Indigenous community really look to us as a trusted and reliable and culturally sensitive news outlet it's so rare that they can find um you know a mass scale national broadcaster that represents them, that represents their views, that employs their family and people that look like them, that provides opportunity for them to tell their stories and to not be, you know, a supporting character, but to be the main voice in telling their own stories and in writing their own narrative. So that is what drives us. That is the main thing that we get out of being journalists in Indigenous in the Indigenous affairs space. That's awesome. And um, I think it's really inspiring and great to see these kinds of, you know, uh, messages and these kind of um, kind of platforms um, being opened up, especially, um, you know, with the kind of in the midst of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's been going on at the moment, I think um, it's only helped um, amplify these types of stories and these and your voice, these voices. So I think it's really admirable to see. Oh, that's really lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, as well, like as a mixed race person myself, I, I'm not Indigenous, but um, my father is um, a Jamaican, British Jamaican, and my mom is Argentinian. So, you know, these kind of issues um, of race and, and that affect people of colour are always quite, you know, heartbreaking to see because, yeah. Well, I think as minorities in this in this country and globally, we all have to rally together because we're all facing similar disadvantage and we've all we've all dealt with colonialism and the ongoing effects of that. I'm also um, interracial. I have European heritage as well. Yeah. On one side of my family, my grandfather was a migrant to, to Australia. And I can only imagine the racism and the discrimination and the segregation that he experienced as a European migrant. Today, we see Europeans completely integrated into our society and is accepted as our own and Mm. accepted as the face of Australia. And unfortunately, Indigenous people aren't there yet with the broader community. There are still too many um, unhelpful stereotypes and, you know, too much racism that exists. But we're, we're, we're... we're making progressive steps and I think the fact that something like NITV exists is really proof that, you know, in my grandmother's era, there would never have been this kind of opportunity on either side. 
um, both, you know, the, the European side or the Indigenous side, there would never have been the opportunity to go to university, to get an education, to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. This was unheard of. So, you know, look at the steps we've made now and, you know, it's just it's symbolic of what's yet to come. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it makes me feel really a lot more kind of safe in the future and hopefully, you know, other young Australians continue to kind of build upon this momentum that we've got going on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think we see young people today really using their voices, which is beautiful and it's heartening and it's important. And it is literally the only way to drive change. And it's so great that finally there's a generation like yours willing to speak up and willing to educate themselves and to shift the mindset. Definitely. All right. Um, I kind of want to talk about as well, you know, your work on Nine Honey, which is quite different from what you do with SVS. Um, I feel like it's kind of more um, personable, I guess, and not personable, but in a sense, um, it's kind of more about issues about kind of dating, love and growing up and things like that. Um, How do you feel that your life experiences so far have helped you develop kind of um, this unique voice that we see come through in your pieces um, that's kind of just really youthful and fun? And why do you think it's so important for young people to find their own? That's a really great question. And you're right. My work on Nine Honey is very polarising, so different to anything I do with the SBS. It it literally sometimes feels like two worlds. And I think that that's really important to keep them really separate because, as you say, my voice on Nine Honey is so different to my voice on any other sort of issues that I write about. Yeah. And I guess that's because it's my own and it's less serious and it's a bit lighter. And I really just use that platform as an opportunity to just be myself. Um, it's kind of like I don't. I always tell people, people say to me, how do you get this, you know, I like to think of myself as a pretty, you know, approachable, funny person, but people definitely <laughs> tell me I'm a bit more charismatic in my, um, in my columns than what I would be in, you know, real life if you were to just keep, if you were to just meet me and I always say that I think of my columns as the kind of it's it's really I, I don't hold back I say everything I think it's like I'm writing I'm writing as if I'm talking to my best friends at brunch you know mm-hmm. those people that you're really 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 comfortable with that you will tell anything to that you will be flawed in front of because that is so important to my nine honey column I never ever write you know from a prejudice Um, or judgmental sort of voice where I'm giving people the impression that I know better. I write from my own experiences, all of which have been really fumbled and really messy. And, you know, most of the time at the end of the article, I make it clear that I'm still navigating my way through. And, you know, I think much is to be said about your youth and your early 20s and navigating, you know, all of those issues that we especially as women go through, but just as people. And, you know, as you come into yourself and you find yourself, you will experience problems. Unfortunately, nothing's perfect. I wish that, you know, we grow up, we find the perfect person, we don't have any issues with our friends, we don't have any relationship issues with our family. But, you know, it's also the beauty of life is experiencing a whole variety of things and in turn a whole variety of feelings and emotions. And I guess... To answer your question, I would encourage people not to block that out and to use a creative platform, even if it is just sitting down and thinking about it, 
to really use something to express that journey. Because my column is all about the journey to finding myself. There is no destination. I'm not there yet. There's still so much to be learnt. There's still so much to be discovered. But the importance of being your own person, of feeling things completely, it's all a part of the beauty of life, but it's also a part of the beauty of being a human and of growing up. This is the stage of our lives to make mistakes and to learn from them. Um, you can make mistakes and choose not to learn from them and you will not grow as a human being. So I always say to people, don't be self-righteous, don't be high and mighty. You know, I've gotten so much um, feedback on my my columns. Not all of it has been flattering. Um, there's also a lot of challenges that come with writing about your personal life. As a young woman, there are security challenges. You have a lot of men contacting you with unsolicited advice or a lot of men contacting you with criticism. Um, when I don't write, for, I don't write for those men. I, I don't, my work is not out there for them. Yeah. I also have a lot of people who start to believe that they know me. They read an article and, you know, they know me and that is so dangerous in the sense that it's similar to social media. What I put in my articles, it is my opinions and my thoughts but it's one small fraction of them and it is certainly not a well-rounded um, representation of my life. Obviously, there are things I hold back. Obviously, there are things I don't broadcast to a national audience, uh, mm. potentially international if people from overseas wanted to read it because it's it's my, my life and I have to have some privacy as well. So there's the danger and the exhaustion of dealing with people who reach out and think that they know you and, and want to tell you how to fix your life or want to commend you um, for a choice that you've made in an article but that might not really translate to how things are going in your real life. And then there's that other hurdle of dealing with, um, you know, people who believe that every story needs to end um, with a happy ending or a sad ending but in our brains for some reason we often look at a story and if it's incomplete we want to know the answers we have all these unanswered questions and, and people find it really hard to sit with them so I might write a column about you know a dating issue I'm having or a friendship issue or you know one really popular one that I got a lot of feedback from was a Valentine's Day article mm that I wrote where, you know, I, I didn't have a date and get these people contacting me with burning questions. They just, they <laughs> want to know, they want to know, did you find a date? Are you still single? Why are you still single? And what are you doing about that? And the answer is, I don't know. Like, I don't have the happy ending to give them. There is yeah. no ending. Um, so people really struggle with that boundary and you, and you have to, for the sake of your own privacy and security, yeah. you have to set it that there may not be a happy ending. There may not be um, answers. You may have to sit with your answers, um, your unanswered questions, and you may have to ponder, oh, I wonder where that girl ended up. But, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. Just because I write about something doesn't mean I'm an expert on it. It doesn't mean I have the answers. It doesn't mean I've solved the, the mystery. It just means I have a theory and I put it into words. So um, the long and short of it is that those columns are really, they're a mixture of, you know, a conversation I'd have with my best friends at brunch and all the weird thoughts that pop into my head at 3am when I'm <laughs> unable to fall asleep at night. Um, 
it's just really, yeah, blurting out all my thoughts and feelings regardless of how tricky and, and complex they are on a piece of paper and hoping that, you know, maybe someone will take an interest in them if they read it and maybe they'll enjoy it or get something out of it. Yeah, I definitely think um, the fact that people get so invested in your writing is actually quite a bit of a compliment as well, in a sense, because it means that you write so well and so engagingly that it engage. It's such your pieces are so engaging that people get really excited and hooked on what you have to say. So oh, thank you. And I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm yeah. so so flattered that people are even interested. Like honestly, when I started writing opinion pieces, I. I would send opinion. The first opinion piece I ever wrote was for Mamma Mia a few years ago and it was a workplace um, experience one and it was about this really awful experience that I'd had in a workplace and what I'd sort of gotten gotten from it, learned from it. And I can't even explain to you in words the feeling I got when they told me that they wanted to pay me to publish it. Like I, I couldn't, yeah. at 22 years or 21 I think I was at the time, at 21 years old I couldn't believe that anyone cared enough about what I had to say that they wanted to pay me to publish something. So working for Honey and having this platform where I get to use my voice to talk about all these things and often they're really trivial things, which is um, even more flattering, that you know, that they allow me to talk about this, this stuff, which in the scheme of things is so silly, is really, really, really flattering. And, you know, I still pinch myself when I think about the fact that people even bother reading it, let alone the fact that people... Um, come out of it with all these questions in their mind and and are left wanting more it is so lovely to me and it's such an honor and when people reach out it means the world but you know unfortunately I can't always give them what they want and that is really hard that is really hard yeah no 100 percent um but yeah I I loved reading some of your pieces personally and and that's kind of one of the reasons I reached out to you. Um, so you've got a great thing going there and I'm excited to see how your work grows with you. <laughs> Thank you. And I encourage young people like yourself, like obviously um, you're in that age now where you're starting to engage in lifestyle kind of stuff yep. and stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm really I'm really proud when I see how young people are engaging in news because it's so different to how I engaged in news and information and how my peers did at your age. Yep. Um, so I know that you guys are really fabulous at sourcing out reputable news and informing yourself about what's happening in the world. But I was speaking to a colleague the other day and, like, we would read Dolly magazine and we learnt so much about womanhood and the journey of, you know, navigating all those female challenges through magazines like Dolly and, you know, through talking to our friends, older sisters and stuff like that. And we're just on the cusp of this social media age. And now you guys have so much access to all these lifestyle brands, but we don't really know what what you guys want in the same way because we just sort of write into Dolly or we'd ask people, now you sort of it's it's much more covert so if there are things that you struggle with as young women growing up and or there are you know experiences you guys are having I'd encourage you to write to writers like me you know there's other writers out there for all different platforms Mamma Mia, Body and Soul, all sorts of lifestyle brands out there that you know write into them tell them what you want to hear about I would love someone to contact me and tell me what they want you know, what they want me to write about. And if I've had an experience that I think lines up to it, I would be more than happy to sort of share my insight. Um, you know, you can take the beauty of it is that it's not news. It's not like anything that you'll read that I write at the SBS. You yeah. can take it or leave it. It's 100% opinion. But who knows? Maybe 
you will feel supported by the fact that, you know, you may handle your situation completely differently, but you're not the only person going through it. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, linking on to that question, my next question actually kind of is for you and it's kind of um, um, what I'm interested in is kind of your struggles with identity and the lessons that you've learned from your adolescent experience because I, I think that would be really interesting, especially because you've been so open with your kind of um, navigating, your navigation of young womanhood. I'd really love to see, hear about um, your adolescent experience (laughs) yeah well my adolescence was really really tumultuous um I really struggled with you know the ages probably 15 to 18 were really hard um for me I absolutely had no sense of identity growing up and I, I really tried to find myself in um in in all different avenues I didn't really know what was important to me or who I was I knew that I wanted to make something of my life I knew that I cared about certain things and that I was an empathetic person and that you know I didn't want to didn't want to let my experiences harden me but I also really struggled I had a lot of um you know mental health to to navigate my way through I struggled really badly with anxiety in my last two years of high school like really really severely Mm. I um you know I had an eating disorder for most of of my time through high school which impacted me in so many ways but that I also never spoke about you know with friends Mm. and family or really made a public thing so I navigated that journey alone and I I hope that there is a lot less stigma around mental health and things like eating disorders for girls and, and and also for boys, of course, in this day and age than there was, you know, a few years ago when I was in school. Mm. But I think that, um, you know, you, you get out of your adolescence and you sort you get into your new challenges and you sort of forget what was hard. But I think that sort of um, finding your own peace finding your own purpose it's really hard and and it takes a lot of um soul searching and just experiencing life too yeah you you can't do it when you don't have the tools you know you put a lot of pressure on yourself when you're young to have all the answers but you realize when you get a little bit older that you're not meant to have the whole point is that you're not meant to have the answers the answers aren't there because they're not meant to be there yet and there's a little bit of fun to be had in and, and a little bit of heartache to be had in finding them as well. So I guess um, the trickiness of my adolescence, if it taught me anything, it was the power of resilience. So many times as a teenager I thought I couldn't go through anything else yeah. or I thought this is as hard as life could possibly get. Like it, it can't get worse than this. The pressure <laughs> can't be more. But it can and it yeah. will. And um, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. I, I always tell young girls that, and, and I'm nervous about saying it because I, I don't want to be triggering. Um, if you need help, if if you feel like the struggle is too much, reach out. There are people out there. There are support services. There are lots of systems in place. I'm sure there are trusted family members, friends, a friend's older sister, a friend's mum, whoever it might be, a teacher, if you don't have those trusted adults or, you know, access to those systems, there are ways to reach out and there are resources. Obviously, I'm not equipped to really speak on that, um, you know, but I'd encourage you maybe at the end of this podcast to put some links in or something. Yeah, for sure. 
but absolutely reach out and, and ask for help. There is no harm in, in asking for help, no matter how big or small your issue is. We all, you learn as you get older that you can't carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. And, and when you're a teenager, I think you feel the expectation to deal with it all on your own because you're in that stage where you're not a little kid anymore. Um, but you are, you're a baby, like you're literally a baby. And I don't say that patronizingly. I, I yeah. encourage you to embrace it because before you know it, it's gone and you definitely notice when you're not a baby anymore. Mm. Um, and I guess if my adolescence has taught me anything, it's just be resilient, push yourself, but at the same time, don't be too hard on yourself. When you fail and you fall, it's going to feel like the end of the world when things don't go right or when you experience something really hard and it's the first time, it's going to feel like you can never go through this again, but you can and you will. You probably will. You know, if you have a bad experience once, you're probably going to have something similar happen again and you're going to be so much better at dealing with it next time. And in the moment, things are going to feel earth shattering and groundbreaking and tragic and horrible. And sometimes they will be. I know that there's people out there, you know, in their adolescence that lose parents or family family members or have really, really tragic things happen to them. Yeah. And in those instances, of course, just lean on people. Don't be afraid to lean on, on people for support, but more than anything, just power through it and embrace the stumble. I think that the other day I had a bit of an epiphany um, and it's something I wish I knew as a teenager, but hindsight's a beautiful thing. And that's that sometimes if you fail at something or if something doesn't work out, it's because it's not meant to. And it can be anything. Like I failed my driving test and it felt like the end of the world, like the end of the world. Um, you know, I needed my licence to be able to get around or, you know, little things like that. Yeah. But... I look back and I'm like, wow, I could have gotten into that car and I could have driven around, but clearly I wasn't ready because I failed my test twice <laughs> and I could have hit a car and I could have hurt someone. So, you know, hindsight is beautiful and I'm not expecting 17-year-olds to approach life with such clarity um, at all. But certainly I would just say embrace the, the failures because they're going to teach you something. You know, every job you go for that you don't get will feel like the end of the world. Yeah. But it's not. Like it's, it's really not the end of the world and the lessons you learn will actually outweigh getting everything handed to you. So sometimes the stumbling is really hard and, and you feel like you can't go through it anymore, but you can and you will. And you'll learn from every single curve and every single um, obstacle you face will teach you something. And in the end, I believe that, you know, as we go through our lives and, you know, at all stages, not just early womanhood and early 20, 20s and adolescence, the most valuable thing we get out of everything is lessons because yeah. in the end it's all about how rounded of a human being we are and, and the experiences we have. And I think that the, actually the one thing I definitely want to say that I, I think never gets said about your adolescence is have fun. <laughs> like you don't understand that this is your time to have fun and yeah. there are so many curves ahead of you and so many things that you're going to have to compromise on. Be selfish and get to know yourself and whatever you do, if you're a girl, don't let boys be mean to you. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's amazing advice and, 
And it's kind of one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast up was to kind of just voice these stories that, you know, um, young people, but also um, people that we look up to, like yourself and other role models, um, have to share. Because I think um, these kind of stories really help and they kind of just teach us so, so much. And just listening to them will really, you know, impact so many of my listeners today. So thank you so, so much for sharing all of your advice. It's a real honour. I'm really, really honoured. And I'm also really proud to see a young girl out there um, amplifying her own voice and choosing to amplify voices that she thinks are, um, you know, valuable or significant or helpful in some way. So I'm, I'm really, really honoured and really proud to be on this podcast. I think it's fantastic. Thank you so, so much. That no, means the world. No, that's okay. In this day and age, you know, young people, they have so much room to express themselves. And, of course, you know, issues around identity and sexuality and race, they're still tricky and they're still painful and they're still challenging. But I think we need to look at how much work has been done by our precessors and realise that it's so much easier to express yourself or to speak out or to stand up to, you know, the wrong thing in this day and age so while it's all well and good to have fun it's also really important to do it while you're also trying to uncover your purpose and and while you're taking care of yourself because yeah. there's not a lot of time in life to um take care of you definitely well with that I think I've kind of finished all of my questions for you I want to say a big big thank you um, again for coming on my podcast and having a chat with me it's been an honor to have you on and you shared some really amazing advice that um, I'm sure we're all very grateful for and I wish you continued success we'll be keeping up to date with all of your next kind of movements I'll be keeping up to date with yours too and I wish (laughs) you and all your listeners continued success and I know they're all going to be brilliant young people out there making change. Thank you so much. See you. See you later. Bye. Bye. And with that, we come to the end of this episode. A huge thank you to McKelly for taking the time to chat with me today and a big thank you to you all for listening. If you would like to keep updated with McKelly, you can follow her Instagram page at McKelly Siren and follow her work on SBS and Nine Honey. If you're struggling with your mental health or need someone to talk to, feel free to call Lifeline at any time on 13 11 14. That's 13 11 14. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening from to be notified of our next interview. Also follow us on our Instagram. Our username is at the telltale podcast. That's at the telltale podcast. For business inquiries, our email address is telltalemedia at outlook.com. Thank you again for listening to McKelly's Tale, and we'll see you next episode for another exciting interview.